0: Dios, Inglésia. Como está? Me llamo Pastor Scott. That's uh, about it with my Spanish. But not bad, right? So if I speak and then stop waiting for somebody to translate, you'll understand, right? We, uh, we had such a great, great trip to Costa Rica. Before we did, I don't know if you saw, I was talking to little Johnny Weinbrenner. Uh, I love that guy. So thankful for him, Andrea, and our band. Uh, Dan goes down, and we have a team that steps up because we do this all for Jesus. And we love Dan. I need to tell you this. While Dan is recuperating from his surgery, we're continuing to pay him and support him and care for him, okay? so Because that's the right thing to do, right? because he's part of our family. We're taking care of Dan, so you don't worry about Dan. Dan's being taken care of, okay? So I want you guys to know that. But uh, Johnny Weinbrenner was part of my uh, youth group back in Pasadena, Texas, and I'm so grateful. I hugged him. I said, thank you. I needed you, and he said, I needed you too. I don't know what he needs me for, but, but here we are again together. Tara and I had an amazing trip to Costa Rica. Let me tell you just a little bit about it, okay? Can I tell you about it a little bit? Okay, so this is what we did. We went there specifically to train pastors and to work with the local church. Vida Abundante in uh, San Jose, Costa Rica. Uh, pastor Mario uh, Castro is the pastor. In fact, he joined us online at our last gathering. He may come back online today. Pastor Mario has a great church there. Uh, Five, six hundred people, and I preach there Saturday and Sunday for their church. You know, they had a band, they had video, it was like here, but everything was in Spanish. It's really, really cool. Great church. They responded well to, to the preaching. They did not laugh at my jokes. <laughs> so I'm starting to think the problem is me and not the culture. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, we had a great experience. And then uh, we left there Sunday night. We went down to Hako Beach for a couple of days on the beach. And uh, so Monday, we kind of had a day off. And then Tuesday, came back and did some more leadership consulting. And then on uh, well, Wednesday and Thursday, now this is crazy the bishop of the Methodist church had all the pastors of the Methodist church in Costa Rica at a gathering, and they had this Baptist preacher teaching them. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah, because the, the denominational labels we wear, you go up, they fall off. You go down, they burn off. They don't matter. We're all living all for Jesus. So we had a great experience with the Methodist pastors where I taught them preaching for life change I talked to them about um, aligning your, your messages and your small groups and your personal readings. You guys know about that? Your God time, your group time, your gathering time. We, we aligned all that, taught them how to do that. And we talked about a capital campaign because most of them need to build buildings and those kind of things. So we had an amazing experience. But I got to back up just a second. God's always up to something. Do y'all know that? He's always at work on Monday, Tara and I decided to go look for a little stroll on the beach, and it was gorgeous—just a beautiful day. And we were walking. We were only planning to be gone for an hour, so of course I did not put on any sunscreen, because after all, I'm a Creek Indian, and Indians don't need sunscreen. Well, I got burnt, y'all, because this is what happened. We were walking there and Pastor Mario Alvarado, who was my interpreter, he's a pastor in Apple Valley, California, and I was also with Pastor Oswaldo Parmo, who is uh, our good friend, our strategic partner in in, uh, New York. He was there, native Costa Rican, and uh, Tara and I were having our nice little stroll. Mario and and Oswaldo came out and I started talking leadership and drawing things in the sand, and then Tara heard another woman speaking English, so he wouldn't talk to her. Get this. That woman was from my hometown in Florida, from Niceville, Florida. It's a nice place. Y'all A nice folks. You have a nice time. Niceville, Florida. That's where I'm from. And she was there. We got the conversation. So three hours later, I'm, I'm a pinata, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm burnt up. So now I look like I have leprosy, but I'm not contagious, so don't worry. But we had a great experience. Thank you for allowing me to go. On Tuesday, on our way out, we stopped at a church, a church building called Horizon Church, met a young man who's pastoring an English-speaking church at Hako Beach. His name's Pastor Daniel, built a relationship with him. Now, get this. On Friday, his computer was stolen, and he was very discouraged. This is Tuesday. He told us, he didn't tell us the story, but we were talking to him, we prayed with him, we left. He sent an email, he said, to Oswaldo and myself, he said, you'll never know how much your visit encouraged me because I'm really struggling, I'm depressed. A guy stole my computer, he stole $50 from me, I'm very depressed, but you guys came by and you really loved me and encouraged me. So this is what Oswaldo did. Oswaldo downloaded all his information off his computer and gave it to Pastor Daniel. And this is what Pastor Scott's gonna do, I'm downloading all my stuff off my computer and I'm giving it to Pastor Oswaldo. And this is how God works, y'all. This is how God works. Now, I'm not giving you my iPad. Get that old Apple computer that, uh, that I have. And This is how God works, and this pastor is so encouraged, and this is what he said. We need a church that will love us and help us going through the next phases of leadership development. <gasps> do you think you might know a church that could do that? Do you have your passport? So get ready. God is establishing relationships. Pastor Mario Castro... And Pastor Daniel in Costa Rica. Now it gets a little even a little better. On April 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th, four pastors or five pastors from uh, Latin America are coming to Wimberley, and we're forming the Cartel de Jesús. <laughs> and uh, we're we're building a, a, a network of Colombia, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Mexico, United States. Uh, We'll also represent Cuba. We're looking to pick up Guatemala and El Salvador and Panama and Ecuador. Uh, We're hoping to pick so we can train pastors throughout Latin America. And, yeah, this is incredible what God's doing. They're coming here for an organizational meeting. This is what they've done. They've asked this gringo to lead it. So I speak no Spanish. I've got all these Spanish speaking. I have to say, guys, English, English. They said, Pastor, when we want you to know what we're saying, we'll talk in English. Until then, you, you said it'd be quiet. See, so it's pretty exciting what God is doing. Uh, I said we could call our group, uh, you know, One Gringo, and, you know, we, we could call it the One Gringo Network, but uh, I like Cartel de Jesus, personally. i probably get arrested for that anyway thank you for sending me thank you for the big heart you have that we could go to costa rica look forward to following as we build these relationships uh, offer jesus uh the next big trip for uh for training will be in nicaragua in october i could take a few of you with me for that so those of you that'd be interested training about 400 pastors in managua nicaragua uh so you guys look forward to that and uh, hopefully uh senior can uh go with me as my translator um, they were talking about Mitch. Uh, Mitch, uh, Mitch, wave your hand so they can see you. Uh, Mitch is um, working on his PhD in Spanish at some small school up in Austin called UT, and um, teaches there. And they were saying, you've got to hear Pastor Scott's translator. He speaks Spanish better than all of us. <laughs> so you are the gringo that could speak, uh, speak Spanish. So look forward to that. So let's jump into this, uh, this series today. Y'all ready for this? Yeah, I've been looking forward to speaking to you uh, and really talking to you about these signs of John. I want to remind you that we have tons of online resources, and if you if you don't have uh, Right Now Media, we want to encourage you to sign up for that. Just take one of those contact cards, put your email on it, it says "Sign me up for Right Now Media," and we'll get you connected with that because we have tons of resources available for you, especially for the Book of John. got five videos that go with this, but today we're going to be talking about a very unusual encounter that Jesus had that was a sign. Now, a sign is something that points beyond itself to another thing. And as I was writing this talk, I was thinking, for the life of me, what is the sign that Jesus is pointing towards in this this event? Now, this is an event found in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, of Jesus encountering a guy that was crippled, and he was at the pool of Bethesda. Now, I've been to the Pool of Bethesda. It's right out St. Anne's Church. Uh, St. Anne's Church is there at the edge uh, in the the ancient city of Jerusalem. The the city is walled. The St. Anne's Church is built there, and it's probably built in the 1800s, so it's not that old. And then uh, the Pool of Bethesda is right beside it. It means the house of mercy or the house of grace. That's what Bethesda means in Aramaic. And, And according to archaeologists, it was two pools, that had a covered porch over it, and it was right by the sheep gate. Now, I found it interesting that you would find the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, entering into Jerusalem through the sheep gate. Wouldn't you find that to be just a little unusual? But here he's there, and this pool was there for the weak, the afflicted, the affirmed would lay there, and it became a place of desperation. It was a place to water the flocks. It became a place of desperation. That they would wait, and they would wait for an angel to stir the water. They would go down and be healed. But they were laying there. And this one dude was laying there for a long time, and Jesus came by and he healed him. And it was a, it's a strange encounter, a strange event, and we'll look at that. But what was it pointing to? Was it pointing that to something else? And, and this is where I came to conviction, and, and, and just the conclusion of the conviction, that Jesus was saying, hey, 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 I'm the Lord. I'm deity, I'm God. And if you try to get to me through religion, it ain't gonna work. Because I want to show you that I trump religion and I trump everything else, and that I'm the Lord even of the broken and afflicted, and I can do things that you can never think possible and have the authority over your systems. And so you better quit trying to get to me any other way but coming to me. But coming to me. So I think this is pretty important talk because I think a lot of us get confused about how do we access Jesus and we go about it the wrong way and we end up with bad results and we end up with broken hearts and we end up being crippled, laying by a pool and then we get comfortable in our affliction and Jesus comes along and he says, do you want to get well? And we don't even know what well looks like. So let's go on this adventure. All right? Father, thank you for what you want to say to us this morning. And I pray that you speak through me, that it will not be my words or my thoughts, but, Father, your truth that will lead these folks to understand what you want them to understand. And I pray, Father, that you just move in this church that I love and that you love more, these people that I love and that you love more. So thank you for what you're going to do, and I pray this in your strong name. Amen. Now, go ahead and take out your notes so you want to jot some things down. I think there's some things that we'll say that you want to to take with you. I had a lady come out after the first service, the first gathering, and she showed me her notes. She said, look, Pastor Scott, I took a bunch of notes. This is what I do. I put them up on my refrigerator, and I notice that when my kids come over during the week, they're reading the notes. She says, I'm doing it on purpose. It's like deer corn. I'm baiting them. So use these notes anyway. the Lord will have you lead them, use them. Now I'm going to read for you out of John chapter 5 verses 1 through 15. If you have a Bible you can turn with me. There's a Bible in front of you you can use or you can follow with me on the screen. But here we go. After this there was the feast of the Jews. After what? After Jesus had an encounter with the Samaritan woman. And Jesus says to things like this, I'm I'm sending you to work where you've not worked before. Others have done the labor, have done the hard work, and you will join them in their labor. So after this, Jesus goes into Jerusalem, and for some reason, he's by himself. His disciples are not there. And so they they might be already in, going to the temple or whatever, and you find Jesus, after this encounter with the Samaritan woman, he now has an encounter with this guy by the pool of Bethesda. After, the, after this, it was the feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was a, in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades, and there lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man had been, who had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years, y'all, 38 years. I started to say that's as long as Tara and I've been married, but probably wouldn't be appropriate That was supposed to be funny. Okay. When Jesus saw him laying there, he knew he'd already been there a long time and he said to him, Do you want to get well? Hello. Laying here 38 years. You know, I'm not laying here for my health. (laughs) Do you want to get well? The truth is, he didn't want to get well. He was very comfortable in his affliction. He had found his identity in being affirm. Huh. I wonder how many of us identify through our brokenness instead of our Savior. Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, Sir. And he starts making excuses. I have no one to put me in the pool when the water's stirred up. And while I'm going, I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus says, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once was the man was healed. And he took up his bed and he walked. Do you notice that this had nothing to do with this guy's faith? There's such an erroneous teaching going on in the church that if you want divine healing, it's predicated on your faith. And you know there's a word for that called baloney. It's not. Jesus can heal you without your faith. Did you know that? Now, Jesus wants you to believe he can heal you because he can, but he can do it without your faith. Because it's not faith that heals you. Listen, it is not faith that heals you. It's Jesus who heals you. It's not faith. It's Jesus. Take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. And he took up his bed and he walked. Now, that day was the Sabbath. Now, hold on. Stay right there. The Sabbath. That means it was the holy day of the Jewish people. 2,000 laws about what you could not do on the Sabbath day. One of those laws was you can't be carrying your bed role. You can't be carrying your mat. Hmm. And here, a dude, was on the Sabbath carrying his mat. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. What's wrong with these morons? god had been an invalid for 38 years. He's healed. He's carried his bed. Shouldn't they say, Dude, what happened to you? Why you carrying your bed? It's like, What? Yeah, it just, it's just crazy. But this, my friend, this, I'm starting to speak in Spanish. This, <laughs> this, my friend, <laughs> is showing you the power of religion and legalism. And legalism. God gets a miracle, these guys are judging the miracle based on did it fit in their religious box. If it was God, it healed y'all Monday not on the sabbath really yes really but he answered them the man who healed me said that man said to me take up your bed and walk and they asked him who was the man who said to you take up your bed and walk now the man who'd been healed didn't know it was jesus for he had withdrawn and there were there was a crowd in the place Dude didn't even know it was Jesus. You talk about a faith healing without any faith. This is a faith healing without any faith. He didn't even know it was Jesus who healed him. Let me say this to you. Jesus heals for one reason. One, to bring glory to himself. And you see that consisted in this passage of scripture. We're praying that God heals Dan for God's glory to be revealed through Dan. There's so many others we're praying for in our congregation that God would heal to bring his glory. To me, a very good friend of mine named Billy Catan, he died of cancer in 1988. Uh, Leanne, you probably remember him. Leanne's here someplace. Uh, there you are. Leanne, you remember Billy? Passed away. Um, the day before Billy died, he told me, I was in his, his house, and was holding his hand, he said he had pancreatic cancer. Diagnosed, and five months later, he was dead. He was 43 years old. My best friend. He said, um, he said, you know, God's still able to heal me. I said, yeah. He said, he's still able, isn't he? I said, yeah, he's still able. He, he, still, he could heal me, right? And I said, yeah, absolutely, he could heal you. He'd heal you tomorrow. He can get up, up, up. You'd be fine. You'd be restored. If God could do that. And he goes, yeah. But you know what? If he doesn't, he's going to heal me anyway. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you live and believe in Jesus, you will never die. Do you believe that? You will never die. I did Billy's funeral, but it really wasn't his funeral. It was his transition going from this life to the next life, more alive than he's ever been. You see, religion won't get you there, Jesus will. Jesus will. After Jesus found him in the temple, he said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Had a person catch me after the second gathering. He said, Pastor Scott, when you read that passage, see that sin no more, so nothing worse will happen to you. Was he paralyzed because he sinned? He said, no. Well, what was Jesus talking about? Jesus was talking about missing him and spending a Christless eternity in hell. That's what he was talking about. Stop your sinning. Something worse can happen to you. You know what's worse than being paralyzed, laying by a pool of 38 years? Spending eternity without Jesus in hell. And here's, I wanna say this to you, because I want you to hear it. God loves you so much, He does not want any of you to spend eternity in hell. That's why He's provided a way to come to Christ through the cross, to Jesus by faith, through grace, so that nobody in this room or on this internet or listening to me can spend a Christless eternity. All of us can spend eternity with God in heaven because of Jesus. Isn't that good news? Whosoever will may come. No matter what you've done, what you've become, what you've said, how you behaved, Jesus says, come to me and I will not cast you out. I will fix you. I will heal you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. He missed it. He longed for the approval of religion so he could go to the temple and he could do all those Jewish things. He went for religion and missed Jesus. So let me ask you these questions. Would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? That's a crazy question to this man, a crazy question to you too. Of course you would. Really? Really? Have you become comfortable in your affliction? Have you been identified by your affirmity? Have you said, I'm a this, 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 I'm a this. I know a lot of people in recovery, they'll say, I'm an alcoholic. But shouldn't you say, "I'm I'm an alcoholic who Jesus has saved and sanctified and set free from alcoholism? I once was this, but now I'm that. I once was blind, but now I see. I'm going to say something. I don't mean to offend you. I once was a Baptist, but now I'm a Christian. I once was a Methodist, now I'm a Christian. I once was a Presbyterian or a Pentecostal or a Catholic or whatever other label, but now I've come to Christ. Do you want to get well? And we have all kinds of excuses, just like dude had all kinds of excuses. But Jesus says, come to me. I could take you. And we have to come to Jesus. Even when we, don't, even when we know Jesus is our hope, we often try, to get, try wrong ways to get to know him. Or we think we can appease him by certain things. And this guy that was laying by the pool of Bethesda was waiting for an angel to stir up the water. And Jesus came along. Jesus is no angel. Jesus is God. And he was by the pool making excuses, thinking that if he did this, he would be right, with God saying, hey, 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 don't do this, come to me. And so many of us thinking, if we do this, we'll be okay. Uh, We say, well, if I do good, I'm going to be okay. Uh Uh-uh. How good can you be for God? Oh, 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 if I, if I, um... well, I'm better than most people I know. congratulations. Y'all, that ain't hard here in Wimberley, to be better than most people you know. Um, it doesn't matter what you believe about God as long as you're sincere. If I'm, Don't all, all, all religions lead to God? No, they don't. Oh, well, as long as I'm sincere, I'll be fine. Really? There's a tribal group in Papua New Guinea who worship their God by cannibalism. Well, they're sincere. Do not go to a covered-dish dinner at their church, y'all. <laughs> It reminds me of so many cannibal jokes. Like, do you know what cannibals use to freshen their breath? Mentos. Do you think cannibals ever get fed up with people? I mean, just I'll stop. Yeah, cuz they just eat on you. They they just all consuming. And we grow comfortable and we think we, we, think we can get it right. But, but then the, the dude said one thing, he can't, I can't. And Jesus goes, That's right, you can't, but I can. Dude says, I can't get in the water. Jesus says, That's right, but I can. I brought the water to you. You've been trying the wrong things the wrong way for a long time. Try me. And he missed it. You see, the commands of Jesus trump your brokenness. There's nobody in this room that Jesus cannot fix. Nobody in this room Jesus can't fix. Nobody. Hmm. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. I could not think it would be amazing that this guy's excuses were suddenly dashed when he felt his legs starting to strengthen and feelings starting to return and, and, and did all this and he got up, and he got up. Even when he didn't believe he would be healed, God healed him anyway to reveal his glory. And how often does Jesus invade our lives with his power, and even when he invades our lives with his power, we're resistant or arrogant or ignorant. And how long will we choose to be crippled when Jesus says, I want to heal you, and then he says, sin no more, and forgive, and forgive yourself, and break the habit and heal the herd and overcome the hang-up. Do you believe Jesus can heal you? Even when you're unwilling? Yes. You see, nothing's too hard for Jesus. Nothing. Nothing's too hard for Jesus. But I think this sign is pointing something beyond the healing to show something deeper. And here's where I think it's leading to us. It's showing that religion will keep you crippled. Because the next encounter Jesus has is with the Pharisees who are all choked up because Jesus healed this guy on the Sabbath. They missed the miracle and focused on the dadgum religion. My computer says, stop doing that. Okay, I will undo that. Focus on the healing. They missed it. And we're often blinded to the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the miracle of Jesus because of religion. Get this, y'all. We want to be churchified and not sanctified. I want you to write this down. I didn't give it to the second gathering, but it's something I started working on in Costa Rica. You know, when we're doing, and Scott, Pastor Scott Tidwell, who's online right now, Scott, we, we talk about the five global giants that are affecting mankind today, which is spiritual emptiness Egocentric leaders, austere poverty, um, pandemic diseases, and miseducation of children. Those five. I'll tell you, there's five in the church. Tell you what those five giants are. Arrogance. We're arrogant. We think we're better than other folks because we're in church. Elitism. We think we have a, a better pedigree. Entitlement. I want what I want when I want it. When we don't get our way, we cry like little cats. Meow, meow, meow. You didn't sing my song today. Meow, meow. You ran out of pig blanket in the room. Meow, meow, meow. Your coffee's not any good. Meow, meow. I tell you what, we're going to cure the coffee thing. I'm going to tell you all this. Next week, I'm providing the coffee. Yes. <laughs> and it's going to be Primo Costa Rican coffee. We brought back 10 pounds of Costa Rican coffee. So Costa Rican coffee for everybody next week, okay? All right, are y'all good with that? Yeah, yeah. I had a little trouble with customs convincing it was Jesus to Cartel. It's a coffee cartel. Entitlement. Okay, arrogance, elitism, entitlement. Racism. Racism. And judgmentalism. That's our five giants. We kill those giants, and the church will be the church. would you agree? Hmm. Thinking about that, Jesus pointed and he said, Look, people, your religion has kept you away from God. You're focusing on Moses and you're not focusing on me. Moses even wrote about me and you're missing it. I am the Lord God standing right in front of you and you're willing to be churchified and not sanctified. Even We are even deceived that religion will make us right with God. And I wrote this this morning as I was looking over my notes. We sit in the pews of religion waiting on a healing while Jesus is standing right in front of us, declaring, Pick up your mat and walk, because this is beyond our understanding, we remain crippled. You see, the sign of healing led Jesus to a conversation about his deity. This is where Jesus says, I trump religion. This is what he says I'm, I'm God. I'm God. I'm not a religious leader. I'm God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son could do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing, and whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater things than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. And the Pharisees are going, what? Then Jesus says, I even got the power to heal and to raise the dead. What? For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. Now this right here was a foreshadowing of what he was going to do for Lazarus later. In, in John chapter 11, we see the sign of, of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And on Palm Sunday, I'm going to be talking about that, that amazing thing. And do you know, somebody asked me this question today. When Lazarus was dead, he was four days dead. He was in the grave four days when Jesus resurrected him. Jewish people believe maybe 36 to 48 hours you could come back from the dead because, you know, they really weren't sure. But after four days, you were stinking dead. I mean, literally stinking dead. And he was in the grave for four days. Someone said, Pastor Scott, where do you think Lazarus was when Jesus raised him from from the grave? I said, he was in heaven. Well, how do you know that? Because Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He wasn't asleep and in the ground. He wasn't like, hey, 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 wake up. Uh-uh. He was in heaven. Uh, how do else know that? King David said when he lost his little child in death, he says, I cannot, uh, I cannot bring that child to be back with me, but I will go and be with that child. Referring to the afterlife. That when you, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You don't sleep in the ground. You're, you're with the Lord. Your body is here, but your soul is there. So Lazarus was in heaven. I bet you Lazarus, after he was raised, said, Jesus, come here a second. We got to talk about this thing. And you know what Jesus said? Lazarus, shut your pie hole, brother. I gonna send you. You're going to be the bishop on the island of Cyprus, and you're going to be preaching about being dead, and people are going to come here, you preach. And that's what happened to Lazarus. He left there, went to be bishop of the island of Cyprus, and when Paul and Barnabas did their first missionary journey, they went to see Lazarus. That's cool. And Jesus says, I have the authority to do this. I can heal anybody I want to. I can raise anybody from the dead I want to because I am God. That means he could heal you and he could forgive you and he could restore you. That means he could take this church, this 135-year-old church and breathe life in it and use us to shake Latin America for King Jesus. This church. This church. And probably beyond that. You see, Jesus has the authority not only to heal, but to judge. You don't have any authority to judge, but Jesus does. Listen to what he says. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. And they will never be condemned for their sins. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. You will never be condemned for your sins when you have Christ. Isn't that good news? And that's like the best news ever. But they were already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming indeed and is here now when the dead will hear my voice and the voice of the Son of God and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself and he has granted that same life-giving power to the Son, that's Jesus, and he had given him authority to judge everyone because he's the Son of Man. Don't be surprised indeed. Their time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God when we rise again, and those who've done good, that means trusting in Christ, will rise to experience eternal life, and those who who continue in evil, those who didn't trust Christ, will experience eternal judgment, will experience judgment. I could do nothing on my own, Jesus said. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Jesus has the authority to judge religion. Warren Waresby, the theologian, the pastor of Moody Church in Chicago, in one of his commentaries, actually his commentary on the book of, of, of uh, John, he said this, the religious leaders of that day knew the word of God, but they didn't know God of the word. God does not want you to, to be a biblical scholar. He wants you to be a biblical follower. Now, if you're a scholar, does that mean you're a follower? Are you a follower? It means you're a scholar. Study to show yourself approved that a workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God wants you to know his word and then live his word. James says, not, just don't be the hearers of word, but be what? Doers. God's word is to be applied to our lives. The saddest thing I can imagine is an encounter with Jesus that made no difference, that makes no difference. And the saddest thing I could think for you is on a Sunday morning, you gather here, you listen to this, this message, and you don't see Jesus, and you miss him. This guy missed Jesus, this, this crippled guy. These Pharisees may miss Jesus. They'd preferred their life of brokenness and religion over a life of healing and freedom and relationship. And I think we face the greatest plight of all of human history here in Texas. It's called cultural Christianity. Or I could call it churchianity. You say, well, I joined the church, or I'm a member of this. I don't care. Who cares? Have you met Christ? Christ. I remember when I was growing up, people said, Well, I'd walk the aisle. That's great. You zippity do down the aisle. But if you ain't trusted Jesus, your aisle walking has done you no good. Well, I've been baptized in Cypress Creek. Well, wonderful. You didn't kill the fish, number one. Number two, being dipped in the water could be a duncan by your brother or a symbol of your believing. Which is it? Which is it? And those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's not about your knowledge, it's about your Savior. And when your Savior saves you, you're saved forever. Have you met Jesus? So I'm going to leave you this, with this. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you want to experience the life Christ has for you? That some of you need to come to Jesus today. You need to give your life to Christ. Some of you need to come back to Christ today because you've grown cold and indifferent and you've just like drifted away and you think, oh, I showed up at church. Woo-hoo. You know, it's not what you show up to. It's what shows up in you. You can go to a barn and not be a horse. Just saying. Some of you are like me. You need to go further with Jesus and get it all from him. Get it all from Him. And don't hang back, don't hold back, but get it all from Him. Because we only have one life, and it'll soon pass, and only what you do for Christ will last. I told the pastors in Costa Rica, they said in 500 years from now, nobody will know any of us lived, but will they know Jesus because we lived? And in 500 years from now, I'm calling a party by the crystal sea where we'll all speak the same language. You know what they said it would be? Spanish. He's the language of heaven. Okay, whatever. And so we're calling a meeting and we're going to celebrate King Jesus because what we do for Christ makes it, let's go father. Let's go father. Let's go father. Let's go father. Come to Christ. Come back to Christ. Go further with Christ. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I do.